What's up, everybody? This is Jordan Kurtz with the comments from the Peanut Gallery podcast. We're about to get into the thick of things with our guest, referee Bobby Wambacher, but definitely wanted to take a quick second before we got there to mention a company that is very close to uh, close to us here at CFTPG, and that is the Turp House. Got Terps? I do. What's the Turp House? The Turp House is the cannabis industry's most trusted source for reliability, convenience, and higher potency levels than any other industry competitors within uh, within the medica- medicated oils. What makes the Turp House so unique is that they add in natural terpenes for absorption and brain activation. The terpenes are natural oils that are found inside the botanical parts of the plants that give them their taste and their smell. They're an essential part of getting the full benefit of the CBD. If you're looking for full spectrum alternatives, those are definitely out there as well. The Turp House has an awesome selection of, uh, of THC-infused vape pens. But the primary component of, uh, of the main oils that you're seeing right here, that is something that is, uh, that is THC-free, that is something that you will not test hot on, on a drug screen, so it's not going to impact any sort of uh, performance-enhancing tests if you're an athlete, nor is it going to impair any sort of employment tests if you are concerned about that. One thing that is huge about the Turp House is their impeccable customer service, which is something that is rare in the corporate world of today. They are great about answering any sort of questions that you may have about their products or about just the, the science behind uh, the science behind CBD in general. They have a quick turnaround as far as the time frame of getting back to those questions and your orders that are out there. And like I say, they uh, they do take a very very strong uh, strong sense of pride in the quality of the products, which is definitely something that's important within this industry and know where everything is sourced. So shout out to the Turp House for literally changing lives out there. It's incredible to see you guys on the broadcast like this last weekend on LFA all over the place. Thank you very much for everything that you do. Got Terps, I do, and now we get going on with the show. Oh, would you please just let me go? All right, everybody, welcome to the comments from the Peanut Gallery podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Kurtz. I'm joined here right now with a very special guest, referee Bobby Wambacher. How you doing today, boss? Fantastic. And yourself? I'm doing great, man. It's uh, it was a beautiful day out here in Colorado. Definitely enjoying these last few what feels like you know summer days before those fall uh, fall breezes start to kick in. Yeah, it uh, was a little toasty here in Utah today, but uh, we'll take it. I don't want it to get cold. So. <laughs> I, I can't imagine there. So you know you're out in Utah right now, but you know you're pretty much all over the map, right? Yeah, I, I uh, do a fair amount of traveling. Correct. So, you know, why don't you just tell us a little bit, a little bit more about yourself? You know, where can people follow you on social media? You know, what, uh, what's been going on for you? All right. Um, you can find me on, uh, Instagram at referee underscore Bobby underscore Wambacher or on Facebook at MMA referee Bobby Wambacher. Um, you know, I've just, uh, been blessed and been able to travel all over and uh, ref as many fights as I possibly can. Uh, last weekend I was, uh, I did LFA on Friday night in Nebraska and then, did a show Saturday in Nevada, so uh, yeah, that's a pretty good weekend for me. That is pretty solid. So, what, what was the promotion that you did with in uh, Nevada? It was a uh, WFC ninety five. Um, 
Uh, they, they're all over as well, but uh, they were in Nevada. So, yeah, it was a good show. You know, I, I definitely I can speak from a biased standpoint that I was a big fan of the LFA broadcast the other night. Yeah. You know, uh, we had uh, Austin Jones, shout out to you, Osmosis, showed out and got the uh, got the victory. And then also I want to throw a shout out to Brandon Rodog Royval in the co-main event who also got the victory. You know, shout out to Factory X, X on the chest out there, Coach Mark Montoya. Yeah, those were both great fights. Uh, I believe the uh, Austin Jones fight was a split decision, I believe. It was a split decision. And, and then the uh, co-main was just phenomenal. Uh, and you know when I'm not in the cage, I'm sitting next to the cage, so I get uh, a real good seat. And those those were both fantastic fights. So good fights. Definitely, definitely. You know, it was a uh, it was interesting for the uh, for the Austin Jones fight, just because it seemed like uh, seemed like Dwayne Johnson never really stopped chirping the entire time. Were you able to hear any of that dialogue sitting cage side? Yeah, um, and if it had come across, there would have been a lot of censorship on it. So uh, yeah, it was a. Uh, Pretty uh, pretty strong language being used. <laughs> I, I can imagine, you know, look just by the by the look of it alone. Right. You know, if, well, and that all started the night before when uh, I guess he brought a pillow to the weigh-ins or something. Yep. And uh, you know, someone had told me about that, and I just said, well, "This this has potential to be fight of the night because you do that, either you're getting knocked out or the other guy's getting knocked out. I mean, that's just all there is to it." <laughs> exactly. So, Definitely bringing uh, bringing some extra theatrics into the mix with that. You know how how do you approach that as an official? Uh, you know if does anything ever get too far over the top in terms of some of the you know the trash talk or anything like that that goes on inside the cage or you know what, what what's been your experience with that personally? Sure, um, you know I did the uh, Felice Herrig and Courtney Casey uh, UFC fight in uh, Detroit where you know it got kind of heated and they both. Uh, uh, I think Courtney flicked, uh, you know, bloody boogers on Felice, and then they both started using the F word and flipping each other off. And that's when, as an official, you just got to tell them to, to keep it down because there's kids watching, and you know, it's okay to to have your beef and get in the cage. But you know, um, when it comes to that, we're still a, a very small and, and young sport. You know, we want it to continue to grow, and uh, you know, you got a lot of impressionable people out there that uh, are watching, and you know, they may be the next you know, great fighter or, you know, whatever. So, you know, you, you just got to keep it as, as tone as possible. And, and there's always going to be beef with some of the fighters, you know, the, the Diaz's when they get in there, you know, they do that stuff and, you know, it, it works, you know, it works, it sells, people tune in. Uh, but there's a line that, you, you know, you don't go over. And uh, I don't think that on that, that uh, Austin fight, I don't think it ever crossed the line. I, I, they, I mean, the language was strong, but nobody could hear it. So that's the difference. No, totally understandable. And and you know, for the record, I'm not here saying that I thought that he was you know right. across the line or any anything to that. Respect. But there's obviously examples out there where you know sure. that that's been this been the case in the <laughs> situation. So just always interested in hearing you know someone who's been literally in you know inside that third person while this uh, while that sort of dialogue or confrontation might be going on. Right. You know, do you keep it, is it something that runs through your mind, you know, like, hey, we're on TV, this is being broadcasted, does that come into play when you're, you know, when you're in the middle of the action? I know you're trying to be as much in the moment as you possibly can be, but on those televised cards, is that something that also kind of plays into your judgment process? You know, it really doesn't, because, um, you know, people have asked me about doing the UFC and stuff like that, and, you know, until you do it, 
you really don't understand what I'm about to say, but for me, it's just another building and another uh, cage um, and two athletes that are, you know, performing. Um, yet, when the when the lights come on, you don't realize, or I don't, it just, you know, goes by me, you know, that, uh, you know, there could be a million people watching or whatever it is, because you're just so focused on the athletes that are in there. You know, you don't hear the crowd and you don't hear the corners generally, you know, it's, it's, you're just laser focused on those athletes because they deserve that. So, you know, the, it, there's no, I, I try to treat it the same, whether there's 200 people in the, the stands or 15,000, um, because the athletes are the same, you know, they, they, they've trained, they've worked hard, they deserve it. So regardless if it's amateur pro, you know, small show, big show, you know, they deserve the, the best officiating that, that they can get and the best opportunity to perform their, their skill set. So. No, that's that's very honorable, you know, especially because of what's on the line for uh, for these guys in this situation. So, you know, Bobby, you've been with you've mentioned some of the big promotions out there that people would naturally recognize. You know, your Bellator's, UFC's, LFA's. Right. You know, wh- when did this journey or where did this journey? How did this all start for you? It, it started a little over six years ago. Um, I was training to fight and I had a uh, cyst on my uh, left shoulder blade that I had to get uh, taken out. Um, and then it got infected, so they had to uh, reopen it and leave it open and pack it every day. So they said I couldn't roll or grapple. And uh, I was living in Utah at the time as well. And right before that, I had moved uh, from Hollywood. And I remember getting a Herb Dean flyer about you know refereeing. And you know up until that point, I you know I was a super fan like everybody else. You know I watched all the pay per views. You know planned my trips, you know, vacations and trips around, you know, the, that pay-per-view that's coming up and, you know, went to many live pay-per-views and, you know, events and stuff like that. And, uh, they said, you know, you couldn't grapple a role for six months. And I thought, well, I want to do something to stay involved in the sport. So, um, you know, a little while later, I think a month later or so I was on a plane and flew out to Pasadena and took Herb's course. And, uh, you know, that started, uh, the everything in motion and, you know, it's very difficult, um, to, to, to do the what I do, and you know, I, I failed the first time I went to Herb's class because um, I went in as a fan and thought I knew everything, and you know, yeah, I knew all the rules and I knew the all of those things, but uh, the practical part, I didn't have as much of a clue as I thought I did because you know, as a referee, you got to be able to know how to apply the holds and where how to disassemble them so that you can prevent people from being injured further in the in the cage. That's our job, and so uh, yeah, it. it that's where it started, and uh, you know, after I went and pat, took curbs and failed it, I went the next month and took uh, uh, Rob Hine or Kevin McDonald's course, and I took Rob Hines' course a month after that. Passed both of those, and then it took me six months before I ever got in the cage. You know, that's just because you know, just because you pass a, a class or, or whatever, you know, that doesn't mean you're going to get used or that you're any good. That means that you, you pass the class, and that's it. So, you know, it's a long journey, and and a lot of people, you know don't stick it out or can't stick it out. And, uh, you know, that's the reason why, you know, it's, it's an honor to every time I get a step in the cage, um, you know, because the, the fighters deserve the best and I try to give it every time I'm there, regardless of the size of the show. So that's how I got started. Pretty, pretty crazy. You know, I mean, Herb Dean, obviously one of the most, uh, most recognizable faces on, on the officiating side, you know, what, what's it mean to you that he was kind of the one who brought you, you know, I mean, if people, in my opinion, if people think of officials in MMA, they think of one of two names. Sure. It's either Big John or it's Herb Dean. Right. 
so you know to kind of been brought up underneath you know or that that been your entry into the game what what was that you know how, how did that feel it feels good you know both of those guys I, I can call at any time and they'll, they'll give me advice um, and that's the way it's always been with them and you know that's the, the, the other thing about our communities is so so small you know I could pick up the phone and call either one I could call Mark Goddard I could call any of the the top level officials the Kevin McDonald's and you know um, you know and, and they're always willing to help because as a community we want the we want the best for the fighters and the sport so um, you know if there's ever a questionable call that I do or you know, in a fight that I'm, I'm just not sure on, um, you know, I'll send it to one of them. Say, hey, can you take a look at it and give me your feedback? They may not give me the feedback I want, but, you know, they give me the honest feedback and, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, it's a learning experience, and that's the reason why I sent it to them. So, um, yeah, it's it's nice to be able to reach out to, to, to people that, uh, you know, brought you in and you respect highly of. So. That's awesome. You know, have you ever had a situation where, you know, you made a judgment call that, was maybe you know controversial or something of that nature you know something that was i guess you know noteworthy in the sense that it put you a little bit in the spotlight uh there's been a lot that have been you know controversial or, or uh you know not what everybody else would have expected or whatever like for instance the very first tv fight i did was uh uh chitty in in Jaquani. Uh, Anthony's brother, and I cannot be- remember the other guy's name, but Injaquani uh, hit him with an elbow to the back and um, uh, ended up stopping the fight, and it was to his spine. And so I, I called it a no contest, and people didn't agree with that. Uh, however, the circle of referees said, it, you know, obviously I made the right call. And you know, the fans are—they are, pay, they—you know—they have their opinions, and you know, whether they're right or they're wrong, they got their opinions. So they want to um, see blood, man. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and I tell the fighters in the back at my rules meeting, you know, half of you guys are going to think I'm the greatest referee and half of you after tonight are going to think I suck. Um, because at the end of the day, if if they lose, they got to blame somebody. So we seem like we fit the bill. So, yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, I'm sure sure you know that, you know, very well coming. Yeah, it comes with the territory. Absolutely. So, you know, what if you had to say something along the way, what was really kind of like your making it moment as an official? Because obviously, you know, when you're on the first, you know, we talked about the initial come up, how you you went through your courses and getting on the circuit that way. There has to be some ups and downs, you know, some pitfalls along the way as an official in the early stage, like anything out there. What was really kind of that moment where it sunk into you that yes, this is what you know, this this is me, this is what I'm I'm pursuing, and it's the real deal. I am this. Sure, believe it or not, it was the first time I stepped into the cage after the six month period of you know um, not getting to you know I had passed everything and I was just sitting on the sidelines and I was judging, not refing, and uh, you know that that first time I got in the cage, you know, in the back I threw up. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't see that side of the, the thing because it's, it's nerve wracking when, when you, when you realize that that cage door shuts, there's me and two other people. And those two other people are trying to tear each other's heads off. And, uh, you know, it's my job to make sure the, the rules are there and it's a fair bout and, you know, they're as safe as possible. Um, so, so it was then that, that it sunk in, but you know, that first year I drove all over the country and, you know, that's the other thing people don't don't see is the the backside of what we go through and the commitments and sacrifices you know that first year i drove i think it was sixty five thousand miles 
um, wow. you know, all across the country. And I, I would just show up at venues where they were the, the commission would say, well, you can come, but I, I don't know that I'll use you. And so I would show up for the hope of just doing one fight just to, you know, get in the experience. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'd show up and they wouldn't use me. And, and that's fine, too. But, uh, you know, those are sacrifices and commitments that, that we've all made. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, it pays off. So I get, I guess to say, I, I'm sorry, I might might have missed this. If you uh, if you had said it, what year did you start on this journey? What was that? It was 2012, May of 2012. May of 2012. Okay, okay, yep. yeah. So so a full full six year run uh, right. and change now at this point. So that's that's awesome. You know, I mean, I feel like a lot of people they they make uh, you know like that five year mark is their big like you know career jump off point. So you made made it past that point, smooth sailing, right? <laughs> Well, it's never smooth sailing, but the journey's a blast, so we'll take it that away. <laughs> it's all about how you look at it, right? Absolutely. So, what you know? What's next? What's on the uh, What's on the horizon for you? I know LFA has uh, events every Friday night for our September. That was a big part of their broadcast advertisement. Are you a part of the rest of LFA for the month, or what's going on for you? No, they're in states that uh, you know that they're fine. Like in New Jersey, uh, they got plenty out there, and then California, I believe, is one of them. Um, so that, you know, those states typically use their, their local guys just because, you know, you go to California and you've got, you know, Mike Beltran, you got, you know, Herb Dean, you got, um, David Bell, you know, you got Frank Trigg out there. I mean, you, so they've got, you know, qualified and quality officials that they don't need to do that. And, uh, you know, so my next one is, uh, this Saturday it's back in South Dakota. And, uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, it'll be a good time. Driving or flying to that one? I'm driving. Um, I'm probably going to take my son, and we'll probably go through Rapid City, South Dakota, and see Mount Rushmore again, and then uh, hit the event and come home. And yeah, it'll be a good time. Nice. How how long is the drive? Um, I think that one's like 14 hours, um, but that's a small drive. <laughs> that's a small drive, you know. That's a that's a, a humble small drive right there, you know. Right. For, for what most people consider. Yep. <laughs> exactly. How old's your son? Uh, he's fifteen. Okay. Nice. Nice. So yeah, yeah. gives you uh, gives you some good camaraderie along that long drive right there, you know. Yeah. He uh, he likes to take naps and play his video games. So this is just like going by myself sometimes. <laughs> hey, I, I can uh, I can totally understand how that goes. I went out to I uh, went out to the Bellator card in Oklahoma at the uh, at the Windstar in Thackerville yeah. uh, back in early July, and my buddy that I brought out on the road with me on the the drive back it's you know about an eleven and change drive from uh, from where we were going, and he definitely fell asleep for you know a fair fair chunk of it. So like, all right, well. You know, it's it's a good thing I'm at least awake during the middle of the day for this drive or whatever, because he was right. just cashed out for the majority. I'd be like, "Thanks, co-pilot." I just right. uh, you know, on my uh, on the comments from the peanut gallery Instagram story, I'd just been uh, you know, well, three hours later, co-pilot's still asleep. <laughs> so, but hey, it was it was a fun trip. It was an absolute blast out there. You know, shout I bet out he to. He was refreshed when he got there. Oh yeah, absolutely. By the time that we got home, he was uh, he was nice and ready to go. But you know. Right. It's like, well, I'm now completely just drained from that, you know, driving through Texas in the dead heat in July was just, oh, it was, it was roasting. 
But I do want to throw a shout out to out of Conquer Brazilian Jiu Jitsu out there in Ada, Oklahoma. Shout out to uh, Daniel Scary Carey, to uh, Kevin, uh, Ke- or excuse me, Chris Vereen, Brian Grinnell, Cortez Coleman, everybody out there. So thank you guys very much for uh, for all the hospitality that you showed while you're while we were out there in Oklahoma. Nice. You know, so uh, do you still do a lot of judging? I actually don't. I rarely do any judging, uh, just because of my referee schedule. So. Um, so tight. However, there are times where, you know, um, the, I'll go to an event and there'll be two judges and say two or three referees. And so one of the off referees does uh, the third judge. So sometimes I'll do that, but, uh, just to, ju- just to judge a card, it's probably been, uh, five years or so since I've done that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Just interested, you know, always learning about how that works out, how, uh, yeah. how those opportunities may come about. So, you know, just a, a question for you as far as being an MMA fan on that end, who is a, who's your all-time favorite? Or, you know, give me a give me a rundown of your top couple. Maybe it's hard to give a, a number one right off the top. Oh, no, number one's real easy for me, and that's Matt Hughes. Um, I was born and raised in Illinois right, uh, you know, 20, 25 miles from where he was. And he's only, I think, two or three years older than me. So, um, you know, he, he was a stud in wrestling back then, and, you know, the – his legend, you know, followed every, and I played baseball and we played in his hometown. And, you know, that was always the big thing is, you know, what he was doing and stuff. And that was well before, you know, the MMA side of it. Um, you know, he was just, you know, one of those guys that everybody knew about. So, uh, yeah, I always enjoyed watching him and, uh, you know, was, uh, happy whenever he, you know, fought. And then, uh, obviously when he got that train accident, I actually was back in Illinois at the time. And I was only like 15 miles from where that happened, so I'm uh, real glad that uh, you know he's recovered and he's doing so well. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it was a it was a devastating thing to hear about that. Matt Hughes is one of my all time favorites. You know, I uh, I wrestled a little bit when I was a kid growing up, but Matt Hughes is one of those guys that I just just made made me fall in love with the sport even more back then. You know, as a kid watching, growing up, seeing the way that they would do those almost you know kind of corny UFC promos that were like WWF type of style ones right. where uh, where he was in like the you know the, the country boy with the big steak and eggs breakfast thing with you know the the whole little play that they had with it then they would bring you know then he would start coming out to the Hank Williams Jr. song but you know I, I just I love Matt Hughes back in the day the way that I you know the Carlos Newton slam to the way that the, the whole Frank Trigg situation played out I don't know if there's a more memorable moment in a lot of fights overall than you know him taking the cheap shot against Frank Trigg in the second fight, being able to overcome almost getting tapped out. His face was almost completely purple being caught up in that choke, was able to get out, pick him up, slam him, and then get him in the choke. Yeah, that that's uh, one of my favorite fights. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, that was just uh, – I remember wa- I was watching it live, and yeah, that was just – that was crazy. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's one of the uh, one of my favorite fights of all time to watch, you know, and just the fact that he, he nine time world champion, yeah, you know, hard, hard to argue against him being one, you know, not just one of the best welterweights, but one of the best ever. And, and you know, people say you know whatever about you know Matt Hughes and his book and all that other stuff, but I do believe he's been a great ambassador for the UFC and for the sport itself, and uh, you know, I think uh, you know, I think a lot of him, and I think. Uh, you know, I'm glad whenever I see him around the events and things like that. Still, I guess he was just in Lincoln at the fight night there. So, uh, yeah, I, I I enjoy it, and uh, I, I 
glad that he's doing so well. Definitely, definitely. What about, you know, maybe favorite fight of all time, if you had to name one? Well, actually, I did a fight in Detroit, Yancey Medeiros and uh, uh, Oliveira, and that was that was a blast to be a part of. And in the moment, I knew it was something special going on just because it was just so back and forth and there was so much to it. Um, but it wasn't until afterwards when I when I sat down and watched it that I realized how good of a fight that actually was. And not just from a, a official standpoint or anything, but from a fan or an athlete's position. I mean, that that had everything. They had knockdowns. They had submission attempts. They had blood. They had a foul. I mean, anything you could imagine, it was there, and it was back and forth. And, uh, you know, I thought that was just a phenomenal fight. Definitely a good fight. You know, I mean, I, I can only imagine getting to see one of these wars up close and personal. You know, I mean, you're you're close enough to where you know the blood's getting slung all over you when I you know it's coming off of those those crazy exchanges. So I I can't even begin to imagine what it's like being that third person in there for those. It's amazing. You know, it, it maybe not one that you've uh, that you've been in there for, but obviously, you know, been cage side. What what's been the uh, you know aside from that one? What's been the most exciting fight that you've witnessed in person or you know firsthand live? Oh man, Whew. there's so many of them. Um, I I enjoyed uh, the Alvarez and Gaethje fight. I thought that was exciting. I was there for that one. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, Naganyu's knockout of Overeem was phenomenal. I was there for that one. Um, I mean, there's so many. And uh, you know, I guess I've been blessed to, to have so many, so it's hard to pick out one or two just because the, the list is so so long of just phenomenal fights. Either one of those. I mean, you, you know, spectacular, spectacular performances. I mean, the, the Alvarez and the Gaethje, that was an award-winning performance. Then you have, you know, I that was at like peak Francis hype. Francis just walking around looking like he's destroying everything in his path before everybody realized that he had no has no idea how to wrestle. But, you know, at that point with, with Uberim, he just completely, you know, sent him sent him into into orbit. Yeah, and the, the knockout, you can actually see me on the screen because I'm cage side, and it happens within five feet of me. And it, it was just unbelievable because – you know, I checked both of those fighters in before they got in the cage, and they were both really big guys. Yeah. And so you, you knew that, that, you know, with Overeem and Nagano, one of them was getting knocked out. I mean, they, they weren't there to wrestle. You know, they were there to, to throw leather, and they had bad intentions. And, you know, when it happened, it, I mean, it was it was an amazing knockout. And, and I, I say it's an amazing knockout mainly because, you know, Overeem was fine afterwards. You know, it wasn't like he was seriously hurt or anything like that. If he would have been hurt, it would have been different. But, I mean, it was just a clean knockout, and, you know, it was like, man, that, that was amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, what, what did it sound like? I mean, I'm sure you could just hear the crack right then and there. You could. And it, as soon as I was looking to my right, and as soon as uh, I had just turned my head to look back, just as Naganyu was throwing it, and when it hit, I mean, you heard it, and the crowd erupted, and it was very, um, I mean, it was, it was unreal. Oh, I I can only imagine. I mean, from watching it on TV to you know to be in to be in right there. I mean, it, it had it had to sound close to almost like you know like the crack of a bat at the baseball game. Yeah, it was it was it was it was awesome. Definitely. So you know, with uh, with your I guess in in your taste or in your liking of watching fights, 
what what do you prefer? You know, what in terms of the styles? You mentioned that you've had experience and some background in grappling yourself. Do you do you like watching you know a, a grappler's matchup or you know do you like seeing some leather thrown? What's your personal preference as as I, a I fan? Sure, I think it depends upon who's in there, but for me, I appreciate the ground game. I appreciate what they're doing on the canvas where a lot of people, you know, don't or they, like you said, they just want to see a knockout or someone get bloody or whatever, but there's so much um, tactical stuff going on when it's on the canvas that people don't realize what's going on, and uh, so for me, I enjoy watching that side of it as well just because, you know, knowing what they're doing and what they're trying to set up and the amount of energy and effort that's going into it. You know, you just really appreciate that. And uh, so, like, when you got fighters like Damian Maya, you know, I just love watching him in there, whether he wins or loses, just because you can see the wheels turning in his head of what he's going to do and how he's going to do it. And, you know, he goes in and, and generally just imposes his will and, and makes it happen. So, uh, you know, I, I, I enjoy that. I agree. You know, I'm a fan of it myself, but, you know, I, I just. I, I have trouble with the way the new model of how they have, you know, the matchmaking or some of the way that the, you know, at least in the UFC that they've handled some of this process because, you know, personally, I'm a huge fan of guys like Ben Askren or, you know, I mean, a lot of people didn't necessarily like watching John Fitch fight, but it's just because he was so dominating in a, you know, in a ground type of fashion. I like watching those sorts of guys just because they're so technically sound and they're dominant. But I guess I could see how the common fan might not necessarily like it. But you know, I, I agree with you. I, I like watching the uh, the grappling side of things because Damian yeah. Maya to me is you know I mean that dude is a work of art. Yeah, and and the other thing that you got to appreciate, you mentioned John Fitch and Ben Askren. You know, you know what they're going to do. They're not coming in and giving you a shock. I mean, they are going to grab you. They're going to take you down, and they're going to beat on you. You mm-hmm. know, and and. If you, it's your job to to be able to overcome that and to train to to defend that. And if you put in six or eight weeks of a training camp already on being a great athlete that, that they are, and you are unable to accomplish that task, then that should say more about you know the John Fitches or the the Ben Askrens or or those guys you know because these guys knew what they were going to do. There's no surprises, and they were still able to do it. So right. you know, for me, it, it just you got to have a different level of appreciation. For fighters, and they say, oh, you know, like GSP was one-dimensional during his title run of going in and taking them down and just holding them down. Okay, well, you know that's what he's going to do, so, and he still did it. Mm -hmm. So, give him more credit because it's not like it was his first fight and nobody knew what to expect from those guys. You know, everybody knows what to expect and they still go in and they do it and they, they win and, hey, hats off to them. You know, I agree. I think of it just like any other sport. You know, you you know how certain football teams are going to come out and attack you. Well, it's on you to come out and stop it. You know, like like sure. a team who is you know a dominant reign of, of force, like you know like an Alabama or something. Like, well, you know exactly what they're going to do. They're going to try to power you to death. Can you stop them? All right. Either you can or you can't. Right. And you know, it's it's up to you whether to decide whether you know you respect you respect their greatness or not crazy as that sounds but something has to be said about you knowing exactly what they're going to do and then coming in and still doing exactly that right that's my that's the way i think so um yeah you know i got i gotta ask you because it's a it's an interesting one from everybody that that you talk to who do you have connor or khabib you know that for me 
depends where where the fight happens. You know, if, for me, if Connor can keep it uh, on his feet, I think that he's got a. I think it's his fight. I, I don't unless Khabib has improved a ton since the Michael Johnson uh, fight. You could see that that you know Michael Johnson was, was uh, you know having success with his punches and in my belief Connor's at a different level when it comes to striking than even Michael Johnson and mm-hmm. I think Michael Johnson's fantastic by the way um, and if it goes to the ground I mean I don't I Khabib is just a different animal when it comes to to the mat and his his wrestling and you know so I, I I'm not naive to think that that uh, you know Connor's gonna go in and out wrestle him just like I'm not naive to think that Khabib's gonna come in and out striking you know, I, I think it, you know, whoever, wherever the fight takes place, if it's on the ground, I think Khabib wins it. If it's standing, I think Connor wins it. I, I think it's going to be a phenomenal match. I think, uh, you know, I think they said it sold out in like three minutes. And, um, you know, that's, that's just one of those fights that, you know, is one in a, however many years we get an opportunity to see. And, you know, it's been built up for so long and, you know, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm super pumped for that that fight card. You know, the whole card looks phenomenal. Not just the main event. I mean, that main event is is unbelievable. But the the other fights on that card is just crazy. I mean, you got was it Pettis and Ferguson on that card now too? Yep. And I mean, hell, Ferguson's still a champ at, to to some level. I mean, he, the only reason why he's not is because he got hurt. Um, yeah, I mean, Jim and the Crickets. That that card is stacked. No, I, I agree. Well, and then you know he's fighting a former world champion in Pettis. Yeah. You know, so uh, so there's there's a it's a star-studded card for that night. That's definitely for sure. You yeah. know, with I I feel the same way. You know, with your analysis with the uh, with the Connor and Khabib fight, it's it's going to be interesting because you know if Connor can ride out the storm of you know if Khabib does get him to the ground in that first round, they got to get back on the, on their feet to start the second. So yeah. you know there there is going to be you know if if Khabib can't finish him on the ground right away. There's gonna be another opportunity that Connor might have, but I also feel like the later the fight goes on, the better the uh, the better the odds are in Khabib's favor. Just I, I, just, I think that you know that is just gonna be a great fight. I was just in Vegas, you know, um, yesterday, and you couldn't have paid me enough money to to even think about betting on that fight. I mean, there's just that is gonna be unbelievable. Like, yep, I, I think it's one of the best fights I've seen. Dead even of a fight to call. Of one that I can think of in you know in recent history, just because I mean it's as close or it's as much of a classic Styles matchup as you can possibly imagine. You know you have uh, you have the grappler and then you have the striker. You have the absolute kiss of death power, give you one left hand, and you know you're waking up in five minutes type of uh, type of power from Connor. And then you have the absolutely just completely break your will and make you question your existence, grind it out type of grappling from Khabib. You know, you, you just you see the the look in the in the faces that elite level strikers like Edson Barbosa had in that matchup that they you know, you, you could tell that he was just his will was broken at one point when Khabib would just have him on the ground, just pin him up, you know, he would keep a limb completely completely, you know, immobilized. And was just kind of you know just peppering him and just kind of you know talking smack the entire time, you know yeah. like I I, I I must be the best you know I, I am you know the way the way that he was going going uh, going that way, so it, it's going to be interesting to see. 
because you hear stories or you know anecdotes coming out of the AKA camp and some of the people that Khabib has brought out, and that he just does not get tired. He'll run through you know four and five training partners before he even starts to think about slowing down for the day. Which I don't know if I if you believe in history, that doesn't bode well for Connor. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I I see the things that come out of both of their fight camps and. You know, just the hype for this fight. And I think somewhere I'd read today that they're going to do a couple, like, press tours or something um, for the fight. Man, those are going to be can't-miss press conferences. Definitely. Like, it, yeah, that's uh, – I'm excited. That is, As an official or, you know, a fan or, or whatever it is, these are one of those fights that, uh, you know, I'm going to be excited to be watching and uh, just be able to – be a part of in any way you know will you be out there in vegas for it i'm working on it we'll see <laughs> nice okay okay definitely i uh, definitely gotta at least ask that right right off the top for it you know and what do you what's your thoughts on the card this last weekend what did you think about the uh the woodley you know basically derailing the hype train of, of uh darren till man I, woodley looked good you know i the thing about woodley is is I don't think anybody's ever really questioned that he's good. It's, you know, that, again, he used his wrestling and, you know, grind it out type of thing. And it was almost like he came in to make a statement that, you know, that's one aspect, but don't sleep on his other aspect. And Till is one hell of a fighter. Like, yep. that guy I can see being a champion. Like, I, I oh, yeah. totally see him coming back and in a few years probably getting the title. I mean, just hell of a fighter. And... Woodley just dismantled him and dismantled him with ease. I think it it came out to like seventy four to one in strikes or something. Um, you know, and and you watch the till fights that you know the way he just picked apart Cerrone and you know those guys. And it's like holy smokes, the, the, that that just tells you where Woodley's at. And then you get you know we're talking about the Connor and the um, Khabib fight. You know, you got this Woodley and Covington fight that they're going to make. And man, that's going to be a good fight like that. Covington can talk just as good as McGregor, in my opinion, and sell the fight. And I, after seeing Woodley and what he did to Till, I, I don't know. I mean, it, when the cage door closes, anybody can win, but man, that was, that was super impressive. And, uh, you know, I, if I was a welterweight, I'd be, uh, you know, taking a hard look because that, he did not come in and wrestle. I mean, he came in and he destroyed. Absolutely. Sorry. You know, that, that big right hand that he had that dropped Till. You know, for one, I you know, you have to give Till credit that he is, that that is one tough SOB to be able of, to, uh, you know, to have withstood the damage that he did take. Because, you know, you got to think, that's the same, uh, you know, that's the same right hand that put out legendary chins like Robbie Lawler. You know, Condit. Yep, Carlos Condit, you know. Yep, all, all those guys, you know. That's uh yeah. that's uh that's an explosive right hand that that he wore and was able to kind of, you know, withstand some damage for a little bit. But, you know, I also thought that if there was a good matchup to kind of play into and I think both Covington and and Tiller both very good matchups for Woodley just because he he almost is a guy who is almost Yoelish in a way that where he'll let himself get backed up to uh, you know backed up to the cage and then he'll just explode out and Till is definitely going to be an aggressor 
Sure. He's going to be someone who is going to keep on, you know, trying to march for. And I think kind of, you know, if, if you go based off of the way that uh, that Covington has approached his last couple of fights, especially the RDA fight, he was he was a pace fighter. He was pushing forward on him. If you push forward and you leave yourself open to one of those right hands from Woodley, it might be night night. I agree. Especially, you know, I, I think that Tyron Woodley is uh, he's very he's very underrated within his title reign dominance too. And I think one thing that gets really underlooked is his, his reach that he has. Darren Till was, you know, how much taller? You know, four or five inches taller, but they had the same reach. So, yeah. you know, when that big overhand right hammer is coming down on you. That's pretty advantageous on the Woodley side of things to you know to have those extra couple of inches that that match up you know with guys that are taller than him and then especially with guys that are you know in in equitable size range. Yeah, I agree, and I I, I think uh, Woodley put his name back out there. I, I think you know whatever beef he's got with other people, I you know I thought it was a good performance, and you know I'm anticipating the Woodley Covington fight. I, they haven't announced it, so I don't know that that's the next fight for him, but you know. I would like to see that fight, and I think there's a lot of people that would. So, I agree. You know, there's been some, there was some internet rumor clamors that were going on today that were saying you know that they might possibly make a, make an Usman and Kobe fight first to see who would then fight Woodley. But you know, I I, I don't know. It's as much as I am not a bit. I, I don't really like Kobe that much personally, but I do think that there has to be some sort of, I guess, merit given to him based off of. Then why why did you even do the interim title thing? Was that all, right. all just to try to sell you know sell views that night? Which, let's be real, that's what it is more times than not. But you know why? What what was any sort of significance to that? Then if he was going to be basically, he's the, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the shortest belt holder interim or not that that there's ever been in the UFC yeah I don't know you know with that being said they still have not announced a main event for Madison Square Garden correct so you know and Woodley really didn't get dinged up I don't yeah I don't think you got zero significant strikes that he that were landed from Till which I find absolutely incredible you know stop talking to his title reign dominance again that's the second time according to FSN this morning that he has had zero significant strikes landed on him in a title defense that's amazing yeah so, and he he said himself that you know that he'd be ready to go for Madison Square Garden so you know who knows yeah I would like to see it and that would uh, I mean look the co-main event could main event that that card I mean, the Diaz and Poirier fight, that, that's a main event quality fight in itself. So, I mean, it, it, something comes in, you know, a main event above that, that's just going to be one heck of a card. I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I, I feel like the UFC has, you know, with whatever the way that, you know, Dana has these personal feuds that sometimes I think are to the detriment of the company overall. Like, you have one of the biggest draws out there in, in the Diaz brothers, period. And you just kind of, you know, Whatever whatever the beef is, you don't put them on cards. You miss out on some. I, I I felt that last year when there was the two hundred nine card, to have not had one of them on it was you you missed a golden goose in marketing. You know if you're trying to build all of these money fights that are going to sell, what would have been a bigger situation than having you know one of the two hundred nine guys on the two hundred nine card? But yeah. Right. As as it goes forward, though, now I, I'm glad to see that you know that Nate is getting back in there and in the mix. That that should be an absolute war because Poirier is white hot right now. Yeah, and I I had read somewhere I don't remember where, but Nick is said he's training to make his comeback now as well. 
since that uh, case in Vegas got dropped or whatever. Um, so, yeah, th- th- there's just certain fighters that you'll watch just because they're entertaining. Whether they win or lose, you know, they bring the fight, and, uh, you know, uh, man, I'm looking forward to that co-main event. Both of those guys will bring it. That will not be a boring fight at all, no matter how long it lasts. No, no, not at all. You know, and you know it's it's going to be a war. They're both bleeders. It, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be something to uh, something of a spectacle to see. I've also heard rumors that there there might be, you know, I don't know how it plays out with the whole USADA situation, but it might be a John Jones spot that's on that Madison Square Garden card. He's see, been that's what that's what I had thought they were waiting on uh, because of the the USADA thing. But then you got to look at who who would he fight because everybody's taken up. I mean, you could say Cormier, but uh, outside of that, I mean, who's available at light heavyweight that that I mean, doesn't Gustafson have his fight scheduled or? Uh, well, he was supposed to. Uh, he was supposed to fight on. I believe I can't remember which card it was. A couple of weeks back that he pulled off on it was. Uh, it was in August that card that he was supposed to fight, but. I think that that's what the rumor was, according to Chael Sonnen on his podcast, that uh, that he thought that, that it was going to be happen too at some point. So I mean, right. that, that certainly could headline it. Yeah, you know, that would be a Madison Square Garden worthy type of uh, you know type of card. Gus versus John Jones, you know, the rematch in that way. John Jones has been in a ton of different training photos from uh, from the Jackson Wink camp down there, so. He's he's definitely been very active back in the mix. You know, he, right. he never does a very good job of trying to stay quiet or under the radar. <laughs> not not his mo. <laughs> definitely not. Even even in, in the times where you know, where you know where it should be. Right. So yeah, I, I hope they announce whether his suspension's over or what's going to happen with it because you know he's another fighter that uh, you know is exciting to watch and. You know, the Gustafson fight and the Cormier fights and, you know, I mean, it's just like, man. And even the, the Sonnen fight, I mean, that, that was solid, you know. So, you, you know what you get with John Jones, too. You get excitement. So, uh, I personally, I, I would love to see him fight on that Madison Square Garden card as well. But yeah. that's just a fan talking now. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I'm the same. And it, it's kind of hard, you know, to keep on going to bat for John Jones. I've been a John Jones fan since, you know, since he first burst on the scene, you know. I'm younger. I'm, I grew up with Thinio watching him grow along. And so sometimes just like, God, like, can you just please, please just get it together for this little bit in it? He just keeps on like, you know, I feel like it's how if you were a big fan of Mike Tyson back in the day, you know, kind of seeing just, you know, the uh, the downslide on that end. So I, I really, really hope that he can redeem, you know, his, his career, which in some people's eyes, he probably never will. But I, I just, you know, I hope that he can climb back out of this hole because he, he's still fairly young in the game to where he can make a, uh, you know, make a long, deep run to maybe turn turn the ship around. Yeah, and look, if, if people question him, I mean, his personal choices may be, but, man, when that cage door closes, I, if you're questioning him, his, his legacy in that aspect, you know, then I don't think they, they understand the sport because what he's done is just incredible. And yeah, outside the cage, yeah, that's a different story. But inside the cage, I think his legacy is is pretty cemented. I mean, his only loss is is still questionable, you know, as far as whether it should have been a loss or not. And uh, you know, outside of that, I mean, you just put the who's who of who he's fought. I mean, he didn't get an easy road up. So no, no, not at all. You know, he was fast tracked, and you know that that fight against Matt Hamill, I I still to this day think that. 
come on, like you're you're going to you you DQ him off of that one, like what you know your your take as an official. What do you think of that? I, I wasn't, and here's the thing: is I don't know what. Um, I believe it was Mazagati that that ref that. I believe I don't don't remember. Exactly. I'm pretty positive that you're correct. But I don't know what he said to him in the back before the fight, as far as his commands. I don't know what he was saying in the cage. You know, I don't know what warnings he gave. So you know, I wouldn't be able to say you know I think it was a good call or a bad call because uh, you know only Mazagati and John Jones and Matt Hamill know what was said inside the cage, and uh, you know that that's where you'd have to go. Is you know. I would ask Steve Mazzagatti, and you know he'll tell you. Um, he's another good guy. Um, yep. But uh, you know, for me to say whether it's good or bad, I, I didn't hear what was said prior to the fight. You know, in the back, and I didn't hear what was said inside the cage. You know, he may have warned him two or three times or something of the shots or whatever, and and then when it happened, it happened. And, you know, I, I don't know. That's understandable. That's definitely you know that's that's fair because I you know. Naturally, there's a lot more that goes into a call than what meets meets the surface. Didn't really think of it sure. in I in that respect. So, shit, change change my perspective on that just a little <laughs> bit there. So I see that you got a, got a fight in a line jersey on. Big college football fan. I am, and I'm big Illinois fan. That's where I was born and raised again. And uh, man, we're two and zero, but I don't expect us to to be ranked or anything. I mean, we haven't played the best of best, but <laughs> I do love. Illinois football and uh, you know our last I guess solid year in my eyes was the Rose Bowl against USC and I actually went down to that game and uh, it's been many moons ago it seems like now but uh, love college football and I love the NFL so I'm a big Bears fan so we're not going to talk about the game last night so or I'll check my phone again so uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> well that's uh that's you know that's definitely understandable on that end I uh I have to say that I was in sheer panic mode during the first half in my uh, my big fantasy football league. I have Aaron Rodgers as my quarterback. Right. So uh, so seeing that, you know, all, all of the memes that were going around on the internet about, you know, like with Simba, like, you know, grabbing at him, like in the, in the Lion King scene, you know, please get up where he's tugging on Mufasa. <laughs> that was definitely me as a fan and as a fantasy football participant. I was like... You have got to get up. You can't. You can't be going down this this easily. Like this is not happening. But you know, I, I do apologize for you. Know, that might have been a little bit of salt in the wound there because a rod was <laughs> came back and was a bad man. You know, I do. Yeah, have... that, that's our biggest rival is the Packers. So I mean, you go into Lambeau Field on opening day and you play such a flawless first half, and then it, it just falls apart. I mean, it, that's heartbreaking because. For me, that's gonna that sets a tone for the season. Other people may think differently, but you know, how much did they take out of us and our our, our will and our spirit in there? Because that that was a game we should have won, and oh, yeah. uh, it just slipped through our hands. And you know, there was plays we could have made, and you know, that's in every game. But you know, we'll see about week two, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> you know, gotta gotta be able to rebound, I guess. But well, I I, I want to undefeated. That pressure's <laughs> off. Yeah, that that is true. That is true. You know, I got to thank the Bears for uh, for taking Khalil Mack out of uh, out of the AFC West. You know that yeah. uh, that is definitely uh, as a Broncos fan something that I have to thank the Bears for getting him completely right. out of the AFC. Then at this point, well, listen, our Bears. All, what we're known for is defense. So when we got him, I thought, and granted, he didn't have a ton of training, you know, camp or anything. So you know, and I still thought he looked good. Like, he, man. 
that guy is a game changer. So hopefully, uh, you know, that's what we need, and we can get Trubinsky in there and get him some more uh, game time, you know, and not have so much pressure of being down forty-five to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so, exactly. Yeah. You know, that's that's definitely uh, definitely hope there. There's a lot of stuff that's been building in Chicago's favor. That's for sure. I I can say that for you know at least at least to us, that uh, you guys have a pretty solid tight end. That uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. The guy that you picked up from uh, from Philadelphia, the guy who threw the touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I off the top of my head. Name name is slipping uh, slipping <laughs> me right off the top of my head. But you know, there's there's been some turnaround with some stuff going on there, and I think Trubisky, you know, he's he's a good athlete. You know, as, yeah, long, right. as long as you can keep him protected, he's, yeah, he's going to be all right. We got, we got Monday night against the Seahawks, which the Broncos just beat. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully, go, it's in Chicago, so that's always a positive. Definitely, you know, uh, the monsters of the midway. Hopefully, are back a little bit for uh, for your sake, bringing that Khalil Mack attack. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yo, Bobby. As we uh, we we start to uh, wrap this up, is there anything that you want to get you know get out there for uh, for the listeners? Anything that you want to share? You know, get, shout out, mention anything? No, not really. Just you know, I appreciate everybody that follows me and supports me, and uh, you know, uh, tracks where I go and uh, comments and stuff. And uh, you know, if there's ever a question anybody has, you know, I answer every one of my messages. It may take me a minute to get back to you, but I do answer every message that comes across Instagram or facebook myself so uh yeah well that's awesome you know that you keep uh keep a ground level to uh to the fan engagement there because you know it, it is cool to you know to, to see someone who is on the big stage you know ufc lfa everything across the board that that's awesome yeah so if any of the listeners have any questions or you have questions just shoot them to me i'll i'll get back to you and uh, give you my take and a lot of people will send me questions about certain fights that go on like on saturday night you know, I, if something controversial happens, I know Sunday morning I'll open up my inbox and there'll be 400 messages or questions. And, you know, but that's what it's about. And, you know, I go to arenas and talk to people and stuff. You know, it, it, the fans are what make the sport. You know, if, if there were no fans, you know, whether me and the two fighters are in there or not, if the fans aren't there, the fighters aren't going to be there either. So, um, you know, that's what it's all about. That is awesome. You know, what's it feel like, or what's it mean to you to be recognized by fans in that respect? Because naturally, you know, as as an official, they're not uh, they're not reeling out any sort of you know promo posters or you know uh, highlight reels of uh, of you know your your calls, if you will, the way that they would you know putting on a, a fighter's promo. Right. The calls you get on promos are the ones you don't want. <laughs> um, you know, for me, that the best night is when nobody knows I'm in the cage because that means everything went smoothly and uh, you know I didn't have to interject. So um, it's nice to be recognized and to be able to give back. And I do a lot of charity work and you know speaking engagements and stuff uh, as I go to different towns. So um, you know I enjoy that sort of thing and it's it's humbling to to be able to give back. That's awesome. Well, you know, I really do want to thank you for taking the time to uh, to come on the show today. It's uh, it's awesome to have someone who's been there and done that all across the board coming on. So thank you very much. I really do appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime you want me back or anything, just let me know and we'll we'll figure it out. That's, that sounds awesome. You know, I, I really do appreciate that. It's been uh, it's been a blast talking to you and just kind of hearing about your journey along the way. Well, I appreciate you having me and uh, have a wonderful evening. Yep, absolutely. So, you know, I just want to, uh, on the outro, throw out a quick couple of shout-outs of my own before we uh, part ways with you. 
want to throw uh, throw a shout out to everybody down at Factory X, especially uh, especially my guys Jordan Titoni, Yusuf Zalal, Austin Jones, Selena Rowland down there in Port City MMA in Mobile, Alabama. Mr. Justin Osborne, he's got a fight on September 15th. That's going to be available to be uh, streamed on flowcombat.com. Selena also, she'll be fighting for uh, for Jackson's MMA Renegade uh, Fight Night Chapter 2 down in Pueblo, Colorado, October 6th. Hopefully, uh, then uh, my buddy, uh, my boy Daniel Scary Carey out of Ada, Oklahoma, Conquer BJJ. He's, uh, they're looking at some potential Bellator opportunities when uh, when the November card comes back down to uh, comes back down to the Southwest. And then just a couple others, my uh, my community at Hustle Island, as well as the Turp House, the best in the CBD industry, got Terps, I sure do. And then also Lion League music for uh, for the best in the box state music that's on the up and rising, up and coming. Make sure that you give them all a follow along. I'm Jordan Kurtz. This is referee Bobby Wambacher. Thank you guys very much for viewing. Head to www.cftpg.com to pick up your official merchandise now. Thank you guys very much. Dinner place for Judas niggas claiming family, I don't sacrifice. Grip a 40, sip a 40 for them gutter pains. Keep a release on a mobile for them, show me nice. I ain't living right, long let it gang. Maximize capital, finite physical. Fuck metaphorical, my whole life digital. Dash for that play, now I'm playing, I never played up. And chords get stringy when you tie line the queso. Need me on me, ho, that's what they say when I free flow. Might wet that sweet spot, that's less love me flowing. From no M state, still screaming B mo. My time is my time, homie, I speed slow. No eyes, strong ties, fuck a Rico. Give thanks, drive slow and stack peso. Kiss your minds out the mallet, I bezel, yeah. Lay low and stay cool, the shit stressful, boy. That's why I stay high. Look, there they go, macadamia and don't know a brainy in a match of cranium. So we roll up on you like Damien and that Mercedes Benz. Got weed and drink with some lady friends who got the latest shit, but they fans and shit, so I ain't hit. Damn, here go the base again. Renovate your place again. We on the Vegas trip, rocking straight out that bodega shit. You know we so legit, with no limit like I'm Soldier Slim. But I'm more like PMC, pinkies up, feel me. Got my soldiers with me and my youngest down the ride. Got some bread up in the hills, got some sauce up on the side. Got Tino in here working like a nigga working nice. Said your girl just ain't his type. She just trying to catch a ride and she with it. And she so committed. Damn, your boy is fresh to death and you ain't even sent it. We cut from a different cloth and you can check my linens. Cause I was trying to stand out when you was trying to fit in. Adios.